I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My thoughts this morning arise out of Paul's reflections on the nature of freedom and, uh, and those reflections in the context of Canada Day long weekend. Um, because, of course, this weekend we, as members of the civic society, celebrate Canada. And what, what the, one of the main things that we celebrate about Canada is our freedom. Uh, it's one of the words that we talk about in the Western world in general, but in Canada in particular. We are a free country, and so we celebrate our freedoms and our freedom. And um, the, the interesting relationship between Paul's notion of freedom and the secular Canadian notion of freedom, for me, is that Paul picks up where the secular conversation leaves off. And there's a really interesting analogy between where Paul started and where our secular culture has come to. Um, and so I'm going to start with uh, the secular world and the conversation about freedom. And I submit to you that the secular notion of freedom is, in is inherently adolescent. Um, it's the kind of freedom that says, you don't get to tell me what to do. Uh, anyone that's had teenagers at home understands that conversation. Um, where the parent says, you are not allowed to do these things, they are not good for you and they're not good for the people around you. And the teenager says, who do you think you are? I'm the boss of me. And um, my contention to you is that in the secular conversation, that's as far as we can get in our conversations about freedom. It's about my body, my rules. That's the secular notion of freedom. My money, my rules. It's mine. Nobody gets to tell me what to do with what is mine. And there are limits to that. In a civil society, you have to put limits on that because if I'm free to do whatever, I'm free to punch you in the face. And that's not okay, so we put laws right between my fist and your face. So my freedom ends where your face begins. And that these are reasonable limits, and so we put these limits by law. We impose laws on our freedoms in order, paradoxically, to maximize freedom. We are more free when there are laws in place. But that's as far as we get. And so if there's nothing beyond that, we have this sort of inherent tension between the things that I want to do um, which are based on my appetites and my desires and my passions and the things that I'm not allowed to do, which I really want to do, but I'll get in trouble, so I'm afraid of doing them, so I won't, unless I think I can get away with them, in which case I just might. So that's the secular conversation about freedom. And so if that's where you stop, freedom looks like fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. In other words, a Canada Day long weekend. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> now Paul was talking about the Hebrew law, which is coming from exactly the same place. The Hebrews had laws in order so they could live together as a society and be the people of God. And so they had these laws imposed on them, and they had to follow them, and so they controlled their behavior. And Paul, when Paul caught the gospel and met Christ, he found this new way that was better than that. And he was a big fan of the law, as am I. Laws are good, don't get me wrong but they don't take us far enough. They don't take us into the kind of freedom that Christ came to bring. 
And so where Paul starts is that place of being a good Jewish person in the, you know, first century AD um, of saying, well, you know, I want to be free, but I can't be free because I have to follow the law and I'm kind of stuck between my passions and my desires and my fear of getting in trouble, in this case, with God instead of with the authorities. Um, but it's the same psychological place, caught between desire and fear. And Paul's insight was that is not free that it's got some elements of freedom to it, but it is fundamentally not free. And what he found in Christ was a deeper and a broader and a more real freedom. But that meant that there was a, an internalizing of that conversation. And it also meant a shifting of what our understanding of freedom is. No longer does freedom mean simple license. License is our understanding of freedom secularly um, and in terms of that struggle with freedom and law. Um, the notion of freedom that we come to as Christians is the free to grow into the person that we were meant to be. It is fundamentally theological. We are children of God. We are divine in our nature. And when we allow that divine nature to grow and to flourish, we find what real freedom looks like. And there's a bit of a paradox because it looks like self-control. But through self-control, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, we come to a true freedom of spirit. And so Paul ends up with this conversation of a tension between the flesh and the spirit. And if, you're, if you have freedom of the flesh, you have an imprisonment of the spirit. And, and we see that in Canadian culture with our growing problem with addictions. You're free, you can do whatever you want, and so you do whatever you want, and pretty soon you become a slave to your appetites, your desires, your needs, your reactions, and so forth. And not just substance addiction, but video games, and social media, and people's opinions of you, and whatever other addictions there may be. You're caught, you become profoundly unfree, even though technically and from a legal perspective, you are totally free. So the freedom of the flesh leads to an imprisonment of the spirit, and Paul's insight is that if we put limits on the flesh, we become free in the spirit. And so we control our appetites and our behaviors in order for us to grow into the people that we were meant to be. So self-discipline, peace, patience, kindness, and so forth. Now there's a, the last point I'll give you uh, in, in my reflections are the choice of word. He didn't talk about the gifts of the Spirit. He talked about the fruits of the Spirit. And I, I find that interesting and fascinating because the difference between a gift and a fruit is that a gift is just given. And so when Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit, there, spirit, there are things like wisdom and speaking in tongues and things like that that you just get. The fruits of the Spirit need to be cultivated. They still come from the Spirit. They're not the product of your own willpower and work. They come from the Spirit. They come from a life engaged in openness to God, but they require cultivation. And so a life focused on essentially the two commandments, loving God and loving neighbors, with your whole being, eventually cultivates these fruits. And they look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And when, you're, when you compare and contrast those two lists, what society do you want to be in? And for me, it's the kingdom of God that is built on love of God and love of, nature, uh, love of neighbor and produces the fruits like that. And in fact, that's the foundation of my faith life. 
as a young person, I saw people that looked like that, that had those qualities, and I said, whatever they've got, I want that. And that was the beginning of my faith journey that led me down the path that I continue to tread to this day. And I'm the greatest beneficiary of it. I, I can say from personal experience, like Paul, that I am freer today than I was when I was a teenager saying no one can tell me what to do. I am free to be who I was meant to be. And I'm not there yet, and I'm not perfect, and many of you know that more than you need to. Um, but I'm better today than I was then, and I would trade this road for no other, because this is the road to true freedom. Thanks be to God. Amen.